0: Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. A quick reminder that Teresa Freeman Associates is offering virtual workshops in both May and June. For the latest on dates and details, please visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com. Thank you for listening and for being a part of the Relatable community. We're hearing such great feedback from our listeners about all our wonderful guests and interviews, so keep that coming. If you're a fan, please Consider sharing or leaving a positive comment on one of the many available streaming platforms. This next episode is simply amazing and one that really touched me personally. I interview my good friend, Courtney Davis, who is an extraordinary person with really an extraordinary story. I'm so fortunate she was willing to be so vulnerable and honest about her successes and really, truly some some challenging and difficult times. Relatable celebrates authentic and genuine, and that is exactly what you hear when you are with Courtney. Take a moment to be inspired and enjoy this episode. Welcome, Courtney Davis.
1: Hello, Teresa
0: Freeman. (laughs) So good to see you, even though on Skype. I wish we were doing this in person. I I
1: know. I was so excited. Me
0: too. I was so excited. Rona. I know. everything. I wanted to come see your new place because you and your family now are in this awesome space out in Maryland, right?
1: Yeah. i finally at 40, (laughs) actually right before I turned 40, (laughs) got myself a house. I'm yes. uh, in Frederick, Maryland, right on the river. Actually you can see the river
0: nice. from my house,
1: from my backyard, which is really nice. My husband and I are so excited about it. I love it, and our kids love it, and the neighbors are fantastic.
0: That's awesome. It's, a, it's a dream. That's awesome. Yeah. We have known each other for, gosh, I didn't even think about this till I just, like 15 <laughs> years, maybe? Is that possible?
1: I think I, yeah, mm-hmm. two thousand. Yeah.
0: So a good many years. (laughs) (laughs) And we have both seen each other through a lot of uh, different phases and aspects of our life. And so I think, you know, um, that this podcast is really about highlighting people that have uh, navigated life in lots of different ways. And um, that, you know, one of my wishes as people listen to this that are maybe less experienced just entering the workforce or even young adults, even teens, recognize that there's a lot of different ways uh, that you can be in the world and there isn't just one straight path. And I think, you know, that that dreaded question at, you know, 18 or 22, like, what do you want to be? I, you know, I think that's changed a lot. And, you know, kind of what what I'm trying to do now, instead of what do you want to be? It's like, what do you like to do? And what are those strengths and how can you pick something that helps you to deliver those strengths. So I think as we talk, I'm really excited for people to hear your story. It's a phenomenal story. I was telling you last night over text that you're someone who's constantly inspiring me in lots of different ways. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm just excited you. for, you know, our massive audience <laughs> uh, to uh, to be able to benefit from hearing your story. Uh, so maybe we could just start with your current uh, role right now and what you're doing uh, professionally. Let's start there.
1: So I am a talent manager for a very large professional services firm. It's actually global um, talent manager, I'd say. It's a fancy way of saying I'm in HR. Yep. And for the organization, I work directly with our leadership mm-hmm. to help identify um, challenges that professionals are having and coming up with solutions to those challenges so that we help to enhance their overall, overall talent experience. I think that's like my role in a nutshell, however I'd say. The p- piece of my role thats uh, that I'm most passionate about are the opportunities I get to connect with the professionals directly mm-hmm. and help coach them. Um, and help them see things that they're having um, challenges with from a different perspective. And I love when they get to walk away from our conversation with fresh perspective and feeling good about what their next step is. So I'd say that, well, I, I do the strategy stuff and it's great, and I love working with the leaders. Um, the coaching aspect is definitely where my passion is.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, so we've met in HR uh, working together. And I think the thing that is great about that discipline or that type of career is that if you are inspired by people and you like working with people and you like connecting with people, it's a great option. And I didn't really know about HR when I graduated from college. I, I had a degree in communications. I think at that time, you know, human resources was just starting to be, uh, more than just kind of behind the scenes and administrative, which is how it used to be perceived in, in companies and organizations. And so it's really evolved and being in that professional services space, I think, because people are their product, you know, the human resources component is super it's such a rich experience and there's a lot of great yeah. resources. It's it's a great it's a great opportunity for people that really enjoy Working with people, thinking about people, how you help people—you know—it's—it's—it's it's a nice thing to to be able to have as an option now. I think. So interestingly, for you, um, you're in the role that you are now, but you and and you had been in professional services before that, but you did take a break and um, do your own thing. So can we talk about that a little bit? I'm just curious as as you, for you to share that with people because I think it's such a a bold thing that you did in terms of. Uh, stepping away and doing something that you were really passionate about.
1: And you were instrumental in that decision. I
0: don't
1: know if you knew that or not, but Mm -hmm. you were. So I joined the firm in 2006 and I was a pretty solid performer. If not a high performer, I know that you actually gave me some of my performance (laughs) reviews. And um, so I I think that you can attest to uh, my level of performance and, um, Throughout the time that I was there, I was there for almost – for about 10 years, actually. I took on different roles within the organization. I moved around, and I was feeling pretty good about my career. And then life happened, and um, I ended up in a situation where my marriage – was coming to an end, and we decided that separation would be best and we started the divorce process. And shortly thereafter, um, my father-in-law passed away from cancer. Then my grandmother, after that passed away. Um, she was actually just going, she was in the hospital for a routine um, surgery. It was nothing big and she passed away on the table. Um, and then shortly after that, my grandfather passed away. So my paternal grandmother, my ter- paternal grandfather, and I was very, very, very close with them. Mm-hmm. Having all of those things happen within, I think, like a one-year time span was so challenging for me to handle from a mental health perspective that I just felt... I just felt myself deteriorating on the inside, and I tried so hard to put on this face for everybody in the organization because I I wanted to be that perfect employee that I always strive to be, and I wanted to be the perfect mom, and I wanted to be the perfect wife, and I wanted to be all these things for everybody else, and as a result, I was nothing. I was nothing for, for me, mm-hmm. and I, I actually remember getting to a point where I didn't I just didn't want to be here anymore. I just I, I didn't want to be here. And you actually were the one that I called because I was so I was so lost and I didn't know I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know who I could talk to and I knew something had to change. So I, I, I called you and, and I, I I remember telling you and I was crying that I didn't want to be here anymore. And you immediately told me that I needed to step away and I needed to take time for myself um, to, you know, get healthy again. And and at, at the time, um, mental health challenges, I think just in general, and uh, you know, my the organization I work for is, is no different. I think there's such a stigma around it mm-hmm. where, you know, depression, it's, it's not really – you know, it wasn't really considered a, a real health issue. Um, it was so scary for me to admit that I was having a mental health issue and um, that, you know, I needed I needed medical attention right. to deal with it. And when you shared with me that I could take that time away and that the firm would support me in that, um, it gave me permission to, you know, step, step, take a step back and really look at, you know, where, where am I going? What do I want? And and what do I need to do to to take care of myself so that I'm here five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now? And so I did, I took that time off. I took three months off short-term disability. And when I came back to the organization, I was in a much better spot. I, I started doing transcendental meditation. Which was huge for me. Um, you know, getting trained in that meditation was significant. Um, it, it, it helped. I, I recommend everybody look into it. it it's it's phenomenal. TM.org is it's it's amazing. So I really felt like that definitely helped save my life. Um, and so when I came back to the organization, I was still doing the meditation and I was trying my best to you know still manage all of those emotions and everything that I was still going through because you can't resolve everything in three months right. it's not gonna happen right you know and and you know progress my career and when I got back to the organization I came back as a low performer even though everybody knew that I had gone through that I had been going through a lot of stuff it's still um, it, it still impacted my performance and so I not only was dealing with trying to, you know, manage what was going on in my head, but then also having this cloud over me, you know, of, of being a low performer, it, it just, um, it was very, very difficult for me to handle.
0: Yeah. Um, And you know, there's a couple of things about this so far that I think are so important that people hear and understand, which is the signals and the things that you're experiencing it's important that you listen to those Uh internally and that you the 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 idea that and i don't think it's uncommon the way you discussed wanting to be the perfect employee and be the perfect mom and be like everything's fine i'm you know you know sort of white knuckle it right because i think there's a lot of us that that works Right. If you think about previous experiences that were struggles for you or challenges, you just pull through. Right. And you're fine and you make it. Yep. And there are some times where you you just can't and you have to be honest with yourself. And the, the better you are at knowing yourself and you're doing that and then you communicate that it alleviates to your point a lot of that pressure and then you can work on the solution And then that domino effect of where it starts to impact your performance, impacts your relationships. You know, there's all these other layers to it, but, you know, you have to kind of be your own advocate and you have to, it's hard, it's extremely difficult. But I think in doing that, there's like this release valve, right? That then you can start to really get a sense of the situation and then what you really want to do. So I think um, to your point around, You know, coming back and then feeling like, gosh, you know, I'm feeling better, yet now there's this, like, it looks like some sort of insurmountable mountain that I have to climb, it seems like. Well, then I had
1: to make that decision. I I eventually, like, because, you know, there's only so many times you can come home crying where your significant other is like, something's got to change here. Right. And so I literally had to make a choice. It was either choose me or choose my career. Mm Mm-hmm. And choosing my career was definitely going to lead me down a path where I wouldn't be here today.
0: Right. And
1: so I decided to tell the, the, the organization that I needed to leave. I had no backup plan, nothing. <laughs> I just – I was like, I choose me, and I'll figure it out. Right. And I felt like I had so much peace in that decision that I knew God was sending me a message. He was saying, you know, you – need to step away and it will be okay right and I did and it was and it it was fine I was fine I ended up you know like I always loved photography had no idea how to work a camera off automatic but I I love photography (laughs) and so I you know after a couple weeks of taking some time to just digest what I'd just done Mm -hmm. I decided I was going to become a professional photographer and so I signed up to take a, for a class at um, Montgomery college and learned how to use my camera. And then I just started booking gigs. Like I just started doing it. Mm-hmm. It ended up being such a saving grace for me because not only did I overcome the fear of leaving an organization who I felt defined me and my success, Yeah. You know, I learned that I have the strength to do that. And, you know, having to feed yourself based on your own gifts and, you know, your own perseverance and, you know, putting yourself out there gave me so much self-confidence and self-worth that I didn't know existed. You know, I'd say for anybody who's in a situation where they absolutely hate waking up in the morning and they can't stand the thought of going to work, you're doing the wrong thing. Like you're not doing, you're not, you're not using your gifts because when you use your gifts every day, then every day is a joy. Like you should feel joy. Not, not to say every day is not going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard, but you're going to like to, Right. you know, get up and, and see people and do things. And so I think me being able to, figure that out, um, has put me in a position today where when I'm faced with something that is scary, don't let fear prevent me from moving forward. I look at that fear as a signal of something as a signal that means that I need to do that. Mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> those are the things that I need to do. The things that I'm scared of are the things that I, that guy's telling me you need to go do that thing because you're scared. I'm telling you you're scared and that means you need to go do it. Right. T- Otherwise, you're not going to grow. Yep.
0: Yeah. totally agree. hundred percent agree. And I think that fear feeling, there's a spectrum on that, right? And so the more you do it, the more you put yourself out there, the more that you face those fears, it becomes easier to do. And then you can take on bigger challenges. And I think the other thing you mentioned, which... I similarly struggled with, I think, is this external validation that, you know, for right. us, it was where we worked and how you uh, went up that sort of career ladder and, and, and as ambitious as you were, like that was somehow a reflection of who you are or that somewhat validated your place in this world. And I think um, yeah. for both of us. That's that's not that's a slippery slope. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people that are looking for external validation to say, you're okay, you're a good person, you're a smart person, you're an attractive person, you're a person I want to be with, like if that's all coming from the outside, then it just makes for a very difficult life. Like you you have to be, yeah. you have to get comfortable in your own skin and you have to really believe it. Because I think there's some of us that are experts at faking it to to the detriment of I was. of that person, right? Like it, you'd ask anybody, no one would have guessed that you were insecure or that you were pretending to be something that you weren't, or that you were so needy for that right validation. Similarly, for me, I think, and so sometimes these challenges and these risks that you take um, are about proving yourself. You know what? I am. I am enough by by just being me. And then once you get there, then it just like w- the world opens up, right? And you start to see these opportunities and you start to see experiences and have relationships with people that match what you're truly worth. So it's this whole domino yeah. effect, I think. Um, it's it's the
1: difference between living for acceptance versus living from right, acceptance. Right, right. You know,
0: yeah. and
1: once you get to a point where you're like, I, I don't, need anyone else's acceptance i accept myself you know like i am accepted this i you know nothing else no one else's opinions or thoughts matter because i'm already accepted right and that's a very hard place to get to it is and i don't think that we're always all we're gonna all be there all the time once you get there like i still have i mean i messaged you last night i was you know nervous about talking to you like that's ridiculous (laughs) like how like talking to you is, we do it all the time. Um, right. But, you know, those thoughts still creep into the head. And it's just a matter of going back and remembering I'm accepted. Right. I'm good enough. Right. I'm good it's enough. That's really what it comes down to.
0: Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, or for information on our upcoming workshops being held in May, visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com for more information. So let's take a little um, walk backwards because one of the things I talk a lot on this podcast, and we typically include in interviews, which I love, is a little bit about uh, you as a young adult. And particularly if you think about yourself either in junior high or in high school. I still say junior high. I can't get school. I went to
1: junior high. So. It's
0: like middle school. I don't know what the difference is. But anyway, middle I school.
1: Actually did. My, my, I was a seventh, eighth grade was junior high. Yeah. So it wasn't. Um.
0: Yeah. Middle, yeah. But if you think about like who you were back then um, and both in those kind of middle school, high school years, like would you say, did you have specific experiences or anything that shaped who you are today? Like, were there any either challenges or successes that you think really shaped or formed who you are or, or shaped, I would say, like your path forward?
1: Yes, um, so I was a very heavy child. Um, I remember going to the doctor with my mom when I was 12 and the doctor telling my mom, who was a size negative two, uh, that I was morbidly obese. And I didn't know what that meant, but I knew it didn't sound good. Yeah. And I remember my mom telling me that evening that we were going to go to weight, that she was taking me to Weight Watchers. And I remember knowing that Weight Watchers is for fat people. Right. That's you know, what, hap- what I said in my head. And then now my mom is basically telling me that I'm fat, which to me also equated to being ugly. And so, you know, I, I remember that, you know, and she certainly did not intend for that to be the message that I received at all. My mom loves me. She would do anything for me. Um, and she just wanted me to be healthy. Um, and I remember, you know, going to Weight Watchers and not really working, um, on top of that at school, you know, I was bullied significantly on a daily basis. You know, I remember one of the popular boys in particular coming up to me um, just out of the blue right before um, a play that I was part of started. Um, He just looked at me and he said, hey, Courtney, why are you so fat? Mm. And then he just walked away right before I'm going to be on stage with my with my um, uh, classmates. And I remember going into the Girls' bathroom right after and just losing it, just right. crying so hard because I didn't, I didn't know how to digest that message right. um, at such a young age, and all I wanted was to, I, I just wanted people to to see me
0: right. and
1: and to not see what I look like, but to realize that, you know, I, I'm good enough. I, I can be your friend. Right. You know, I'm a I'm a nice person. I'm a funny person. Um and just having those experiences um you know day in and day out really tests you as a person. Um I can say that, you know, one of the bullies in particular that just was relentless um, this was a proud moment for me and this was in 7th grade I think halfway through the year um, this particular person she was a year older than me and she was constantly threatening me you know just I'm, I'm gonna like beat you up or just you know just coming into my face and it every day it was like I was, I was scared um, because you know is this the day that I'm going to get hit and uh, you know one day she came to my locker and I just had had enough Mm -hmm. I was was tired and she got in my face and I remember slamming my locker door and I looked at her and I said go on, hit me hit me (laughs) and she literally dropped her jaw and just walked away Mm. because I stood up for myself and I think that was the very first moment that I'd ever done that. I'd ever stood up for myself. Right. And right. after that, it gave me a little bit of confidence to continue growing in that, in that right. area in my life, that, right. that area, that space of confidence. Um, And so I'd say that that was a very significant day for me in, in facing fear straight on. Right. And then getting a positive result. Yeah. So I think every time we face fear and we get a positive result from that that's what propels us forward
0: you know it's interesting you're you're making me think of this time that um, my dad was kind of scary like he didn't mean to be scary but he was he was super intimidating and he was very um strict and there were a lot of rules and a lot of expectations for my behavior to be a certain way and you know I never could stand up to him ever I mean it was like you kind of did I grew up in a time where it was like you do what your parents say and you um you no matter what the cost, right, it is to you. And I do remember having a moment where I did stick up for myself. And I think I was 25. I mean, it was late in my life. But I, the freedom I felt after just taking care of myself in a moment that I knew, like to your point, I'd gotten to that breaking point where I thought, this is not right. And and my dad was not abusive. I don't want to give that impression. But he... His words were strong and, you know, there was ways of intimidating me where I felt like pretty small. So I had this moment where I just let it all out. It was like 25 years. God bless him. And and the thing about those moments, it's so much less about them. It doesn't really matter what they do or they don't do. It's that you had a moment that you took control and said, Mm -hmm. I'm important enough. And I'm not going to be treated in a way that's not appropriate. Yeah. And I think that transcends, like, it can be when you're, you know, if you're a young adult, if you're, you know, a professional and you're trying to, there there are ways to manage conflict. And I think there's ways that you can do that respectfully where you can take care of yourself. I think, you know, what we're both describing, sometimes you're just in the moment and you just got to do it. Right. And just, yeah, yeah stick up for yourself. So, and then what about high school? Anything there? Um, and were you a good student? Like, were you still bullied in high school? Or did you have friends? Like, tell me a little bit about that experience.
1: Yeah, I had, I had friends. I actually um, really wanted to be a cheerleader. Right. yeah, <laughs> And got it in my head that I would make the team. And I didn't see any other in any other way. And I did. And I shocked the hell out of myself. I couldn't believe it. Um, and so I, I did that and, um, you know, I did that my freshman year and my sophomore year, um, and then my sophomore year, I ended up going to youth group, just like, I wasn't a practicing Catholic or anything, but my friend was going to youth group when I good friends and he invited me. And so I said, yeah, whatever. And I went and then I ended up like meeting some of the best friends that I um, had at the time. And, um, you know, so I think because of that, I ended up having a pretty good um, high school experience overall. I'd say I was, you know, more on the quiet side. Um, I, I actually struggled a lot with depression mm-hmm. in high school. And I didn't realize that that's what was happening because I, I actually, I don't even know how I graduated <laughs> Really? High school. I actually I graduated because um, the attendance lady was my friend and helped me out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I skipped. I skipped so much school; mm. it was ridiculous. And I didn't skip school to go and drink or do drugs. Like I never did any of that. Right. I skipped school literally to sleep. Just and I would sleep all day, mm. and that's all I would do. I would just sleep. And I remember going into the my counselor at one point, and I was talking to her about the challenges I was having um, with motivation and, you know, just being tired. And I, I even told her that, you know, I didn't want to be here anymore. So I struggled with it back then. And I remember her telling me that I wasn't going to amount to anything. No. And that basically she she basically told me that I wasn't gonna end up going to college, I wasn't gonna go anywhere with my life. And then she had and then she told me she had to call my dad so I could get a psych evaluation before I could come back to school. And so that was the last time I trusted right. um right. talking to anyone about my mental health.
0: Yeah. What a what a tragedy really, right? Because it was that, really yeah.
1: that that was very devastating to me yeah. to have an adult. And I looked up to her big time. Um, so I think that that was a, a point in my life that, but you know, I'd say that because she told me that it did plant a seed where, you know what? Screw you. Right. You're not going to define who I am. Right. And now like I look back and I, I wish I could tell my, you know, 18 year old self, girl, you're you're good. You're fine. You know, you got this. Don't, don't listen to this whole, she has no idea what she's talking about.
0: Right, right. I think that um, some of these interactions we have with people or these moments where they're, I mean, that's obviously super disappointing and you hope someone in that role is using their (laughs) powers for good and helping to shape people in a positive way. At the same time, you know, these experiences are what they are, and then you can draw from them. And sometimes they do make you, um, make you be, I love that, that rebellious piece of like, you know what, don't tell me what I'm, what I'm, am, or I'm not going to do. Like, I, I'm going to figure this out. So, um, so tell me a little bit about like post-college. What was, what was your experience? I mean, post high school, kind of going to college that, because I, tell me a little bit about that period.
1: So I, um, I went, I did get, I went to college after high school and I actually ended up going to a college, um, a very, very Catholic school in Steubenville, Ohio. And, um, you know, I told everyone that I really wanted to go there. because like, that's just where I wanted to go. But I, you know, it was really cause I was following my high school who <laughs> ah. I was broken up with at the time, but you know, if I'm going to be honest with myself, that's why I did it. Um, and you know, the first year, or so it was it was good. I made a lot of friends. I think um, I was overwhelmed by the um, enthusiasm, the religious enthusiasm of the students, mm-hmm. and um, it ended up not being the right place for me. Right. So after, um, so halfway through my. Uh, My sophomore year, I transferred to um, College Park, University of Maryland, Mm -hmm. College Park. And um, going from a school that's 2,000 to a school of 40,000, where one class was almost the entire school, um, you know, sitting in that class that I used to go to, I I got so overwhelmed and my depression again took over and I, I dropped out.
0: Mm.
1: And, um, I, at the time was, uh, I got a job as a tanning salon manager and i been doing that for a little bit. And my boyfriend at the time who we did end up marrying and then divorcing, um, and I, um, actually we had broke, we were broken up, ended up getting pregnant. So I, here I am 22, no college degree, tanning salon manager, no boyfriend, pregnant, living at home. I had a lot of people telling me that I um, shouldn't have the baby and that it would be the worst decision of my life. And I was being selfish. It, I would be selfish to keep her. And um, But I knew in my heart that keeping the pregnancy, keeping my girl was, was what I needed to do, even though it scared the hell out of me. And so, um, and so I did mm-hmm. and ended up having a little girl, um, Chloe. <laughs> and um, I'd say that that decision to keep her actually saved, saved my life mm-hmm. um, and, and transformed my life because I went from living for me to yeah. now having to live for someone else. Right. And because of her – I went back to school, um, even though going back to school and then having to go on welfare and food stamps, which was embarrassing as hell. I went back to school, got my college degree, and literally the month that I graduated, I got my job at the professional services firm where I met you. Yeah. And the only reason why they agreed to interview me was because I was graduating that month with my degree in human resources
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that
1: was the role that I was applying for was the HR generalist.
0: Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's so extraordinary. That's why I was so excited to talk to you because I feel like your story is so, um, that, that resilience and, and your ability to kind of keep fighting through all these challenges. And the thing that it's hard because people don't know you like I know you or the people that meet you. You're like this light, joyous, like you have this great sense of humor. You're like so much fun to be around. And so it's just, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) And so the fact that there's this heaviness, right. And this other part of who you are that I think over time, you know, you've, you've managed and figure out ways, but I just think it's so, one, it, again, it's inspirational what you've done, but I do think there's a lot of people that struggle with this where they're kind of outwardly, you, you know, people see one thing and then to know that there's this undercurrent, right, That is, it's common and, and that it's okay to um, have these multi parts of your person and figuring out how to connect them and get them all so they're all, you know, funneling in the, in the right way. And I think also so interesting that for you and your daughter that that was the thing how you didn't really know because you were again so scared of it but ended up being this great opportunity for you to be who you were supposed to be and to have you come into your own i think from a like professional standpoint but also being able to accomplish these goals so it's pretty amazing to me pretty phenomenal
1: thank you <laughs> you know funny, i really i didn't feel like i I came into my own actually until I'd say that past three months, just yeah. recently. Right. Um so I was telling you about that program, we started talking about it. Um you know, what I've realized, you know, is that I do I, I suffer from clinical depression. I right. do, you know, and I never I never um labeled it or did anything with it, you know, I never really acknowledged that I had this, um, challenge, this ongoing challenge until, uh, this, so this past summer, I think, I think you know this, um, Zach and I, my husband and I were pregnant with, um, we're pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were pregnant last summer and I miscarried at like six weeks or something. Um, and then we got pregnant again this past summer And we found out that we were going to have a little girl and she was perfectly healthy. All those initial tests came back. We went in for um, the three-month checkup, super excited to see her and no heartbeat. Mm. And um, that rocked my world in a way that um, even now when I think about it, it just kills me because I knew that we were having a little girl and I knew that she was perfect. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then she was gone. Um, even though I never got to see her or hold her, she was so real.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: She was real. And I had to go into the hospital to have, um, her removed Mm -hmm. and we had to talk about what they wanted to, what they, what I wanted them to do with the body. And, um, it was, it was devastating. And, um, I didn't, you know, I I think after that happened, it just sent me into a tailspin where, um, you know, I've always loved drinking beer and, you know, food has always been something I love. Um, So, you know, Zach and I both, we just started going into this vicious downward cycle where we were just drinking all the time and, you know eating crap. I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing anything to take care of myself. I just was spiraling out of control. And every time I, I would drink the next day, I would feel worse about myself. At one point in, in November, actually, I woke up and I just started praying for help, for anything. I just needed something to help me break out of this vicious cycle that I've always gotten myself into.
0: Yeah. I've always yeah.
1: had this issue with weight.
0: If you'd like to advertise with relatable, please email us at info at Freeman com.
1: And I, you know, I've done all of the weight loss programs, try to figure out what, you know, if I lose the weight, that's, that's going to solve the problem. And it never did. It never did. And so when I got into this new round of, of mental health issues, the, you know, it rearing back up again, um, just, I was like, I need, I need a solution that, yeah, if I lose weight, awesome. But I, I need to fix my brain. I need to fix my soul, my spirit and Zach came home from work, and um, he works for a, a gym. He's a martial artist. Um, and the place he works, Soldier Fit, was piloting this program called the Reboot Challenge. And he had me read the ebook, And so I read it, and it's like super simple principles, super simple. Mm-hmm. You wake up mm-hmm. early, an hour earlier than you normally do. You work out every day nothing crazy you eat clean no junk food no alcohol this is for three months a gallon of water every day you journal your gratitudes every day three of them at least mm-hmm. and and that's essentially it that, that was it that that that's the program and for me like I knew that that was what I needed to do to reboot myself but it was the scariest challenge for me to take on because all of those things are all the things that I always said I wasn't about I don't wake up early I don't work out I'm not a morning person I don't I don't work out in the morning you know I like to drink it's okay to you know and I don't have a drinking problem and so when I decided okay I'm scared which means I need to do it and I started getting into it I started seeing shifts in my entire outlook on life that I had never experienced before ever. I started, and this is just doing these little daily habits every single day. Right. I I feel like now I can do anything. And the side effect. Yeah. I lost, I literally lost 22 pounds of pure fat. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose. I gained muscle and I lost 22 pounds of pure fat, which is awesome. But the fact that I did it and now I have all of these daily habits, I wake up every day early. I work out every morning. I work out at night too now. I consider myself an athlete. I, um, I pursue things in my life uh, that relate to my passion and my career that I would never have pursued before because I was always too um, unsure of myself and I always felt like a fraud. Now, like, I feel like I'm whole inside and I'm whole outside, and I no longer feel like I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. And for me, that has been the biggest transformation of my life. It's like taking all of my experiences from everything that I've, I've encountered throughout my life and is all cumulated, cumulated into this one moment where I feel like now I can do anything. And I really feel that I can.
0: Yeah. I think what's so interesting, especially on the weight side of things, because you and I have related to that throughout our friendship, and that for so long, similarly, the idea that like you get to a certain way, you get to a certain shape, or externally you look a certain way, and that you're gonna be fulfilled and it's going to be this moment, you've arrived, right? And, and I had that professionally too. Like if I just reach this goal, that will mean I've arrived if I just do this it means I'm you know whether it's I'm good enough or I'm this is the goal that I've set and once I reach that goal I'm going to be okay and I think the big joke <laughs> or the big the big aha with all of that is there's just no end point right there's this it is a it is an ongoing journey about how do you want to be your best self and what are the things that are in your life that help you to do that and what you talked about in terms of some of those things that you have to give up or that you're, you know, stay away from for those three months, I think the thing when you talk about being scared, and I can totally relate to this, is these are things, some of these things that we rely on as crutches to avoid feeling the feelings that we have, right, that then drive the behavior. It's a so, pause. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's an escape, right? I think there's a lot of us that there's aren't. Right, there Right. There's a lot of us that aren't alcoholics, but that we are, um, or foodaholics, right, but that you're medicating, you're self-medicating by certain behaviors and habits. And so the fact that you pursued this, but then the tricky part is when you abstain and you give up a lot of these things, you then are open to feeling more feelings and you're open to having to... Deal with the realities of whatever the pressures are in your life, right? Whatever you use, like the food and the alcohol, for to self-medicate, those things are there, and you kind of have to address them. So I'm curious for you as you're going through this challenge and this reboot, did that stuff come up? Did you have to kind of face things and do things that you didn't want to do, you know, without the crutch of of those those things that you're trying to avoid?
1: Yeah. I mean, this whole COVID nineteen thing. I mean, yeah, the first thing Zach and I would have done would be to go to the liquor store and buy like three thirty packs of beer and just like have at it. Like right. that's what we would have done. And it would have been the perfect way for us to just not deal with how intimidating this situation is. Right. Um, but because we didn't do that, we had the mental clarity to help him focus on his martial arts school and come up with other ways to help his students continue learning right. that if we were in a drunken state, would not have happened.
0: Right.
1: Uh, we and, and not only that, we wouldn't have had the energy to even pursue other ways of, of, of training, you know, these, these kids, these students, right. Um, via zoom and, and other ways. So I think, you know, we're not to mention the fact that we are saving so much money, <laughs> right, um, you right. know, I mean, I think not pushing pause and having to face things head on. Right. It, it really, it's made us stronger as a couple and it's made us stronger in, you know, our own careers, because we have the mental clarity and energy to, you know, pursue things that otherwise would never have happened because we would be vegetating.
0: Yeah. I think too, there's this component of if, if I don't try, then I'm not failing. So, you know,
1: it's so true. I would do that all the time.
0: Right. So it's like, I know what I want to do and it's kind of out there as this thing that I, I think I'm going to work on and achieve one day. But if I don't try, if I don't really put myself in that space to do it. You don't do set it, the goal. Right. If I don't put my space, you know, myself in the space to do it, then no one can say anything, right? Or, or I can't say it. It's like, it's tricky. I mean, I think I really, I'm so glad that you're in a space. Well, one, that you found something that has made you feel really good. And two, that you feel like it's, it's you know everything has culminated to this point which i also think regardless of how old you are all you really have is your past experiences to help you where you are now and typically if you do some self-reflection you can figure out how those experiences are shaping you and what they're trying to teach you and so for you Mm -hmm. i feel like and me to some extent we've had some major (laughs) opportunities to have big life lessons and that's partly the way that we live I think we're like put ourselves out there kind of people and when you do that it can be a harsh reality it can be hard sometimes but then I think being also reflective and honest enough to say this is what I should be learning from it and this is how I'm going to grow from it is also really important
1: yeah I I mean if I'm ever asked I would never ever ever change anything that I've ever gone through yeah Yeah. I would do it all the exact same yeah because if I changed even one thing I would not end up where I am now and I love where I am now my life is not perfect not perfect but I feel joy and I'm happy and I know from reading a lot of of books um that happiness leads to success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Success doesn't lead to happiness.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Because if you try to chase, and I, this actually in a book I just finished called The Happiness Advantage, if you chase success in the pursuit of happiness, you're never gonna get there. Because like you said, that goal always changes, Yeah. which pushes happiness always right out of reach. But if you start with happiness, right. you start with being fulfilled, and having gratitude for the things that are, are in your life right now, then success always follows.
0: Right, right.
1: So it, it, all starts, it all starts
0: there. Such a great message. All right, so I have two questions for you before we wrap up. One is um, somewhat self-serving because, as you know, I'm super passionate about developing soft skills in young adults and in people that are entering the workforce and that aren't as experienced. So I'm curious you know, as you've talked about your professional development, and as you've talked about now, you're back into that whole kind of corporate space. What do you see are critical soft skills that you use in work? What are the things that have helped you be successful in your work? And when I talk about soft skills, I'm talking about communication, collaboration, the ability to influence even presentation skills, the, the, the you know, everyone understands what hard skills are, but the soft skills in business, I think uh, there's room for us to do a lot of development.
1: God, there's so many things I've learned over the years. Um, a lot of it from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think one of the biggest things that I learned early on, actually, even before I went to got to Deloitte, is to, when you're in a new organization or a new group any any you're new if you're new someplace where there are other people who have been there for a while the your only job is to just observe and listen and understand the layout of the land before you start diving in and giving your opinion Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because I found from personal experience that when you may have the best ideas in the world and they might be valid, but if you go into a new situation and you don't take a step back and just listen and use those act, active listening skills um, and you just start sharing your thoughts and opinions, it immediately turns people off and and they shut you out because they they don't They're not going to necessarily assume it's coming from a good place. They're going to think that you are someone who feels that they know everything and that you don't care about what um, their perspectives are. And so I I think, you know, going into a new situation, one of the first things that I would advise anybody, Mm -hmm. I don't care what age, is to always take a step back and just assess and just be quiet and just
0: listen. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think that's right, and I think you even told me that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do think active listening, that that is one of my, I think active listening is such a critical skill in life and in work. And I think the practice of active active listening is not easy because Mm -mm. for a whole host of reasons, people often are interrupting other people and people want to get their ideas across. But also there's sometimes some social anxiety and fear that plays into that. It's almost like because I'm not totally comfortable in my own skin, I feel like I have to say things or I feel like I have to be thinking what I'm going to say rather than just being in a moment with someone and really listening and then reacting. So I love that you you brought that up and that's the skill that you... Uh, highlight because I think, well, one, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that, but also <laughs> I think you're right. And, and it does apply at any age in any situation. Like if you go in and you're observant and you're taking information in, it just allows you to be better at working within that group, whatever that group is, because you have a better framework for it. So I love that. All right. And then the last thing you alluded to this earlier, but I am, um, if you're looking at young Courtney uh so you know your 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 entry level self or even your high school you know you know middle school self like what advice would you give her anything you would tell her given now your experiences that you you think about her and and kind of who she was and how she was struggling
1: i would tell her to have faith in her path and to not let others deter her from what she feels and knows is the right way forward to achieve the dreams and goals she has for herself and that no matter what happens because she will fail you will fail Courtney um that just make sure you're always failing up (laughs) and moving towards the direction of your dreams where you get to use your gifts every day and you get to use your gifts in a way that will help other people achieve their dreams and live their best life. Um, I would, I would, I would tell her to not be afraid and to use her fear as a tool to help light the fire under her to move forward. That's what I would tell her.
0: Ah, oh, I love it. You're the best. <laughs> thank you so much for your honesty and your openness and being so vulnerable. That's not easy. And I feel like um, so many people will benefit from this conversation because it's real and authentic. And I thank you so much. You're the best.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Courtney. I love your advice. Take a moment and observe your surroundings before jumping in. This is such great advice. I love your resilience and your positive spirit. And more than anything, I love your willingness to share your flaws toward the betterment of others. A very special thanks to Missy, my producer on this episode. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe. Leave comments and rate Relatable. We can be found on most streaming platforms. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. You can follow us on Twitter and the TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. A quick reminder that Teresa Freeman Associates is offering virtual workshops in both May and June. For the latest on dates and details, please visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com.